Hey, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matthew Rossi, and I'll be hosting this evening, as I do most evenings, except when, you know, nature itself smites me, as it did last month. But hey, it's a new month, new Blizzard games to talk about, and hopefully new excitement for everybody. With me this week, as is usually the case, uh, are two magnificent co-hosts. I like calling them magnificent, quite frankly, and I'm not entirely sure why. But I think it's because the word magnificent just sounds good to me. It's not, you know, a moist nodule. Can, Can I be magnanimous? Uh, you, you possibly could be magnanimous. Do you feel like being magnanimous today? Um, first, I have to Google it and make sure I know what it means. It's a, it's being like you know generous or you know lordly in one's behavior. Okay, then yeah, I'm good at that. All right, well then, why don't you introduce yourself, magnanimous one? Uh, I'm Alex Ebart, editor in chief of Blizzard Watch. You, now you, talk, you talk about yourself, man. Like, did you do anything this week? Uh, a lot of Tanan, because uh, I really like Tanan. I've said this before, but I love these objective-based sandboxes, so I really can't get enough of the zone. Okay. Uh, also with us this week, and um, you know, she, she can come up with her own thing since Alex did. It's only fair. Uh, Anne Stickney. Anne, what would you like to be named? What would you no, type? No, I, I like Magnificent, although it does remind me that I need to dye my hair again for some reason. I don't know why I associate these two things together, See, but I do. That's funny, because when you when Rossi asked you to come up with a word, I was going to say fluorescent. Fluorescent? Yeah. For me? Yeah. I've been called effervescent. Isn't that like... Bubbly. Bubbly, <laughs> yeah, bu- bubbly, minty, whatever. No, bubbly, like champagne. <laughs> okay, and you have fluorescent effervescence. <laughs> that, now that sounds like you know the name of a horse from Neon like, uh, Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> anything, you been up to anything in the game this week or anything at all? No, um, in the game, not so much. Did a little bit of Tanan. Haven't done a ton of Tanan because uh, I'm kind of like really absorbed in other stuff right now and writing a lot of writing, a lot of writing other things that yeah. Just stuff. Well, uh, this week was uh, the San Diego Comic Con, which none of us got to go to because, you know, I think at this point nobody can survive Comic Con. It's like a black hole that just destroys I, you. But, I kind of really wished that I had been there just because I miss it. Yeah, well, you used to live in San Diego, didn't you? I did. I did. And I went to Comic Con for, it was, I think, I think the year that I left would have been my 10th year. So I mean I've been I've been I started I think I started going to Comic Con like back in two thousand two before Hall H was a thing, and then I watched it grow into the monstrosity that it is today, um, and and I kind of missed it because I was you know we've been paying attention to like all of the stuff that's coming out on Twitter and all the streams and the different uh, panels and things like that, and I'm like man I miss it I yeah. really do miss it, and then I remember what it smelled like, and then I don't miss it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Cog funk taken to its unutterable oh, degrees. Cog funk, like, to the, to the, just beyond, beyond reckoning. It was, it was, yeah, that, and there was just a giant press of people and the waiting in lines, but at the same time, it was like, I, I had a lot of friends out there, so it, it, it's just kind of that whole, man, I sort of miss that because it was four to five days of just talking everyone's ears off. And then you take Monday off from work just to give your voice time to recover and also to spend 24 hours without anybody else around, like in solitary confinement, just recuperating. 
this year's SDCC would have been nice for us to get to go to because uh, Blizzard and Legendary Pictures dropped a ton of information, both about the Warcraft movie and just various Blizzard properties in general. And uh, yeah. first off, we should probably talk about Warcraft Chronicles Volume 1. Because I'm interested. Well, I mean, they, 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 they mentioned that this was coming out. Yeah. Like they they already mentioned that this was coming out. They didn't get, really give us any details or anything on it, and now we have more details. Yeah, we got a nice a, a little video that basically discusses what they're talking about. Volume one is basically Blizzard is not unaware of the fact that over the years they've kind of the way that their approach to lore has sort of been kind of like playing Jenga, in that they've pulled this piece out here and put it over there, and and what then they it have, all fell apart. Well, they have kind of a rack, ramshackle edifice that they've put together over the years. Because, you know, when they started, this was a game that directly mentioned God and the Devil. You know? And yeah. then over time, they've kind of realized, oops. It's 20 years worth of a universe, and it doesn't yeah. really have a whole lot of unity. It kind of got out of their control. Sort of like one of those, um, what's the name of that one plant that you plant it, and, the, and then it just sprouts and vines all over? Yes, that. Yeah. yeah, like that. It's, it's just all actually, over the place now. It's kind of funny, and maybe it's because Overwatch exists and it's making me think of it, but it kind of feels like Chronicles is Blizzard's answer to the Crisis on Infinite Earths problem of trying to get everything organized so that they know what, what's canon and what isn't. And so basically, Volume 1 is going to be everything from the dawn of the Warcraft universe up to, and possibly including, I'm not sure if it includes it or not, but it seemed to be like right up to the First War. Yeah, I think they said. I think he said up to the last guardian. Yeah, which is pretty well, much that's about the start of the first war. I mean, yeah. it's all kind of a whether they say it or not. It's pretty much a movie tie-in, so it's going to be up to and including the events of the Warcraft movie. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, that it's makes not going to be sense. a movie tie-in though. This is separate. Well, I mean, it's not like. He's basically but it's for the people. It, it'll work for the people who are seeing the movie as their first exposure to Warcraft. Yeah. Then they can go pick up this book that is conveniently being released around the same time. Yeah, yeah. But so that's that's coming out. And that's pretty interesting. Uh, the art looks amazing so far. Uh, what what I've seen of it, some really spectacular. It's Peter art. Lee doing the artwork for it, and that's these and, beautiful, beautiful paintings. Yeah. So that's coming out. Um, I'm actually. I'm a little bit more interested in what future volumes will entail, uh, since they're putting a lot into Volume 1. Uh, volume One's basically, you know, 10,000 years, and then Volume 2 will be uh, the next five. I'm, I'm actually really interested in this volume, because I want to see what it has to say about the old gods and the titans, because I'm really keen on both of those things. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, what, what I'm interested in is if this manages to be like the Book of Cain was for Diablo. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that this of, is Warcraft's Book of Cain. I think that's Cain, what they're going yeah. for here. The Book of Cain and the Book of Tyrael are incredibly useful every time I have to write a lore a KYL for Diablo. Uh, they're, and they're beautifully illustrated, and they do a really good job of, of reconciling things that didn't really make sense before. So I'm hoping that they can pull that off here. Also, I, um, I almost feel like the better format would be like the RPG source books, where you go, okay, here's the stuff with... The humans, or rather the Eastern Kingdoms, and here's the stuff with the Night Elves and the Tauri and I kind of hope someday that they actually decide to go with an, make another RPG. Because I, that's one of the things. That'd as much fun. as the, the RPG wasn't... I didn't use it for like canon, canonical lore or anything, but I just liked it. It was nice to It own. was cool to have. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they'll do another one at some point. But what stuff they are doing that we know about is the... 
the Reaper statue for Overwatch that's coming yes. out. That to go uh, with the Tracer statue. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, there's a little controversy about the Tracer statue. Like, yeah. I guess I'm gonna let Adam, Alex face. talk about it. Yeah. Let <laughs> the Alex the end product it. that people actually received uh, looks pretty terrible compared to the prototype they're showing off at BlizzCon. Like, her face does not look like Tracer. Uh, the details aren't there. The colors are off. The her pose. eyes are like three times bigger than they yeah, were. Yeah, she doesn't have, like the prototype had the cool orange transparent goggles with like regular tracer eyes under the goggles. And the final product has giant anime eyes painted on the goggles. And it's just, I'm glad I didn't buy it. And I feel really bad for the people who did buy it. But I don't see how they can screw up Reaper that badly because Reaper is much more simple design. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have a face. He's just got a mask, doesn't he? It's yeah. It's like a it's a skull and you, a black robe. You buy the Reaper statue, and he has giant anime eyes. He has giant, giant anime eyes painted on the skull. On the skull. On the skull. Painted on the skull. Yeah, that'd be great. Why? Thing, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, the other thing that I found interesting from the from that particular panel is, is that they are releasing. They're doing two things right now. They're going to be releasing a graphic novel tie-in to the Warcraft movie. And they're also, Christy Golden is going to be writing a novel introduction to the Warcraft movie. She's not writing about, like, game canon. She's writing about the movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was strange. Well, for one, it kind of shows that the movie canon is not going to be the same as the game canon. No, it's not. It's not. Because this lead up to the events in the movie, if they were sticking to game canon, they already wrote those books. Yeah. No, this that's is actually different. that's why we should start talking about the teaser trailer. What little we know about it, um, be, basically, we we haven't gotten to see it yet. I mean, if you I think you're at BlizzCon, you got to see some of it because I think they used a lot of the footage there as well. Um, I think they used different footage from what from the from the descriptions I've been hearing. The footage was different than what we saw yeah. at BlizzCon, but uh, we did a post today. If you go to our post today, we did a roundup of various places that talked about it. There was a complete text uh, description of it on reddit and the guys at the verge actually drew panels from you know like basically just panels <laughs> represented stick figures though it was really yeah. funny uh basically what we seem to have here is not a tremendous surprise if you if you know warcraft lore but it is different um one of the differences seems to be that duraton's much less like he, he's not on the outs with the horde right away it's not like in, in the Rise of the Horde book where Duraton basically self-exiles himself way before Gul'dan comes to power and way before the Dark Portal opens. He seems to still be involved in the, the Horde's business at this time. time. And uh, there's, there's some scenes with him and Orgrim talking. And then, of course, who probably is Gul'dan, since Gul'dan's in the movie, pops open the Dark Portal and uh, Duraton volunteers to run on through and see what's on the other side. And then you uh, get... Stormwind forces. Yeah, they cut to King Lane Wren, who's played by Dominic Cooper. And if you don't know who Dominic Cooper is, he was uh, Howard Stark in Captain America. He's done a lot else, but I liked him in Captain America. One of three or four actors that have been Howard Stark in the last five years. Yep. But he was in the Captain. He was the one in like Captain America because that was the World War II version of the man. You know, back when he was young. Uh, He he was pretty good in that actually. Uh, But you know, he's playing Lane Wren. Andrew Lothar is being played by Travis Fimmel from Vikings, which uh, was pretty good casting, I gotta say. Uh, he he looks really. If you've seen any of the images for like they've got still pictures of the various you know characters. If you've seen the the Lothar picture, he he looks good for Lothar. 
Um, he's a younger Lothar than I'm used to. I mean, I'm a big fan of Travis Fimmel from Vikings, so yeah. uh, I'm sure he'll be amazing based on I enjoyed him in Vikings. Yeah. I'm going to actually know your lore this week. I'm going to talk about some of the, the, the differences that people have been pointing out and the questions that people have about those differences some of the, between the film canon. Some of the terminology I've heard is already different, like Gul'dan well, referring to the Fell with a capital F. Yeah, that's not really a, a way that they use that in the work. Yeah, that's yeah. something I'm going to be talking about. Know your lore this week on Friday. So if you're interested and you have like direct questions about certain things that you've been hearing about the movie, please feel free to tweet me at shades of gray. That's shades letter O G R E Y, and I may go ahead and work it into that piece. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think the changes that we're seeing are a result of the fact that they're trying to adapt it into a film, and a film has to, by necessity, has yeah. to make concisions and changes and elisions to make things fit but i'm not so far it hasn't really been like it hasn't been like earth-shakingly different i haven't like looked and go that's not warcraft lothar shouldn't be making out with Garona. like nothing like that has happened <laughs> so but that's lothar making out with Garona. <laughs> now to be clear guys that did not happen We're yeah no that, that didn't happen that was, <laughs> that was just me if if, if i you know if anything like that happened believe me i would have already said something about it like no it's Lothar and, and Rin together forever or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Also, there's another thing that I wanted to mention really fast is that Overwatch is getting a prequel comic. Yeah, I'm excited uh, about that. They're getting like a, a an actual like graphic novel, and uh, I think Mickey Nelson said that he was writing that one. And Ludo Lullaby was drawing it. Yes. So, so um, I get bad vibes from hearing those names. Well, Mickey was the one who did the Curse of the Worgen comic. Which was very good. He wrote that with um, James Wall. So, uh, like, Lulubi did the art on that too, didn't he? Yeah. See, the thing is, uh, if I seem you're, to if associate you're... those two with the Madonna arc. Am I wrong? No, no. you're wrong. Okay. Ludo Lullaby did some of the art on that, but then he got taken off well before Madonna even became an issue. And yeah. He, was, he worked on Ashbringer instead, where his art improved by leaps and bounds. Ashbringer. Okay, yeah, I remember Ashbringer. He was he was good on the Warcraft comic, but he was also kind of like learning what he was doing. By the time he got to Ashbringer, his his art had improved immensely. It, and, you know, the Ashbringer comic was beautiful. Uh, yeah. Curse of the Worgen was also... It was really good. There were yeah. a few kind of things where I had to like tilt my head and look at a panel and go, what's going on here? But, I mean, he did really well. I like his art style. I like his artwork, and I think it'll be like a good fit for Overwatch. Yeah, I just, we'll I, I just kind of wish genre. the first Overwatch comic we're getting wasn't about soldier 76 <laughs> i it's just the most vanilla white bread guy they have and well, i'm sure that's the intent right they, they're going to bring people in with the easily digestible guy but they introduced so many of these cool characters to the game like and they're using you know tracer and reaper for mascot status and then they're like, okay, here's this old guy who just uses yeah, a gun but I don't and a think grenade, it, I think and he's our is, headlining guy now. I don't think he is the headlining guy. I think the reason that he's in the comic is because the comic set is set before the events of the game. I think the reason you have the old character there is because he wouldn't be as old then, and everybody else would be like not yet there. That's all. I don't. Plus, we know that this is a character Chris Metzen's had in his head for years. Right. Like I, like I said, I totally understand why they're doing it. I'm just, he's the guy I'm the least interested in and would rather hear about yeah. anybody else. But well, he right. was the leader, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, yeah. So. Does anybody, like, have anything else from SDCC to talk about before we uh, move on? 
Um, oh, we got the virtual reality app thing for the phones. Did you guys play with that? No, it'll get me, it'll make me sick. Okay, did you play with it, Alex? Nope, I did not feel like it. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about it then because I played with it and this thing is awesome. It's like a legendary has this app and they have um, the Skies of Azeroth. It's this thing that you can download for their VR viewer. Now you can use it with Google Cardboard, which is like a, a cardboard headset type or well, goggle thing set up so that you can like look at it kind of stereoscopic, 3D, whatever. Um, I don't have that, and you don't have to use that. You just tell your phone, oh, I don't have that. But it's like Stormwind in your phone, and when you turn the phone around from place to place or look up and down, you can literally do so on your it's – like, it's like you're there. It's very bizarre. It's very strange. They just made it available on YouTube. It's best viewed on YouTube in Google Chrome because you get the controls so that you can look up and down and left and right. Um, and I would really recommend you look at it because it's 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 Stormwind. It's like real Stormwind. <laughs> it's very bizarre to see it. <laughs> Have, uh, as of this conversation, did we post on our site that it's on YouTube now? No, I don't think we did. Then we should, because then I would have known about it. Yeah. Well, then. I mean, we not literally like this that. second. Like, don't stop talking <laughs> yeah. to go to post. I was going to say, pause, but, you know, we're kind of in the middle of things. Anyway. Right. But, yeah, if you haven't seen that, download it for your phone. I showed it to my dad, right? My dad just, like, he was kind of boggled that I was showing him a three-dimensional city that doesn't exist on my phone. <laughs> it just kind of blew his mind a little bit. So yeah, it's do. one of the things that always makes you feel weird about science fiction is there's a story where that someone predicted that in 1976 we'd be waging bacteriological warfare against China in blimps. Yeah. Because they didn't imagine that airplanes would exist. Yeah. And very few people imagined that we'd have our phones as these devices that we never call anybody on and you could put a city in them. Yeah. You know, it's just weird stuff. But anyway, you should probably move on to the emails. Uh, as always, if you want to send us an email, please send it to the podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We don't, can't answer every email, but of course we like to try to answer as many as we can. We also answer questions from Patreon. And Alex's Week has a really, really big one that we're going to try and paraphrase, because if I didn't, I would be reading this thing all bloody day. Yeah, okay. try, uh, to, try to keep them as brief as possible, because we do only have an hour here, and we can't spend an hour and a half reading one email. Yeah, but essentially, this email is asking, what's, you know, how does the, the, the lore from Warlords of Draenor work with the lore that we already know? Like, if we have, say, a story of Black Hand's youth that we learn in Warlords of Draenor, does that count for our Black Hand? Uh, do we go in a thing where all lore that we see in Warlords is just alternate universe and doesn't work in main universe? Or do we assume that unless there's an obvious contradiction, that the two are the same? Now, obviously. We already know that in, for instance, in Warlords, some characters are, are alive that should be dead. Other characters were never born. There's, there are some changes. So yeah. I'm going to let Ian talk about this one first, and then I'll chime in with what I think, and then Alex will probably not care because he doesn't care all that much. <laughs> uh, as far as the Warlords of Draenor timeline and continuity and history that we're learning, like Arakoa history, like the Black Hand comic, you know, stuff like that, if it doesn't directly contradict with anything that we've been presented with in main timeline lore, we can kind of safely assume that, yeah, that probably existed in main timeline lore. Because what Kyra said, Kyra said that there were little differences, but it was close enough 
that it would work for the purposes of why he wanted to go there in the first place. Something that we still never really figured out beyond the whole, I will become infinite, okay? Um, so stuff like the Black Hand story, it seems like it would be something that would be part of the Warlords of Draenor canon, but we we can also kind of maybe think about it and go, yeah, that probably would have taken place in our timeline too. It's not really clearly defined either way. Lords of War, the history stuff that shows up in Lords of War, that's like past events that happened with, you know, Durotan and his brother, Gnar, um, in that particular short, for example, it might not be exactly the same set of circumstances, but something similar likely happened in our timeline. That I don't one's think- kind of weird, though. Yeah, that's that's uh, Marad telling those stories. It is, yeah. And obviously, Marad wouldn't know the alternate universe. Marad, Marad is telling what he thinks is like yeah. our canon universe. Yeah, it's more this history. Yeah, so this yeah. this history is likely something that did happen in both instances of reality, in in the Draenor version and in our version. It's just it might the circumstances might have been just a little bit different or something like that. Because, you know, there are these little changes here and there between the two. Yeah, I think it's but, safe to assume unless unless it's something where you can obviously see the differences. Like for instance the the whole Kara thing. I think that it's safe to assume there was a Kara on our Outland our Draenor as well because it's the, the Temple of Karabor on both worlds. Yeah, and you cannot tell me that it's the Temple of Karabor and the 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 uh, Naru in that zone is called Kara. There's no way that's not connected. Yeah, you know, so stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that it's like it's one of those situations where there's probably close to like 95 percent overlap, and it's just little things that you could, don't really have to worry about unless it comes up. Yeah, like it's... we obviously know that Shadow Moon's different because we know. That Nurzel's life went differently. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that, that's kind of the problem with this stuff is that you know they're going to the alternate timeline. They don't want to explain the mechanics of it, but then you also don't know well which story are we listening to, and then you add in things like Marad is telling the story about these orcs that he maybe never met. Is he an unreliable narrator? We don't know. They they just kind of heaped confusion onto these things and never. So the mecha- I, I don't agree that the mechanics are important, but I do think it's important that when they once they came up with the blades of grass and you know close enough thing, they kind of had a duty to make sure it was very clear when these things were diverging, and I don't think yeah. they did enough of a job on that. Right, um, that, yeah. that's more what I meant. I don't mean like give us the mathematics behind how to open this portal and <laughs> string so no, I, theory, I mean, philosophy, and yeah, so but forth. we don't even we don't even really need to know. We don't need to know specifically how many differences there are. We just need to know when there's a difference. Yeah. Wh- which story are we referring to in this case? Yeah. yeah. And the, the problem I had with Lords of War, as much as I liked Lords of Wars, how does Murad know this stuff? Even outside of... Don't even think about the fact that we're traveling back in time to an alternate world. How does Murad know these stories? Were they just... Were orc stories really that popular among the Draenei? Were they all sitting around going and telling stories of the people that were murdering them wholesale? No, I just yeah. wanted to put Murad in the cinematic, and I'm not going to object to that, so... <laughs> no, I'm totally okay with you. I'm just saying it's, that... It, it adds that potential unreliable narrator element that doesn't yeah. necessarily help. But I think our general consensus is this is... You can you can view it as safe enough. Yeah. yeah. Years from now, when we're talking about the lore of Blackhand or whatever, people are going to go, well, Murad said that. That doesn't necessarily mean it's true, and you can't argue with that. No. Yeah. 
Alrighty, next email is from a level 100 DK named Wormsworth. Uh, Wormsworth doesn't say what server he's from. Or that shape, last but. email is from Dr. Lore, by the way. Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, that was Dr. Lore. Uh, this one is from Wormsworth. I'm looking to do the Pathfinder achievement, but I don't remember what quests I have done. Is there a way to see what I need to do uh, via add-on or website? Thanks again, and keep up the great podcast and site. Wormsworth, I put this one in because I want to know the answer to this question. I don't know, and I have not been able to figure it out. So, do either of there's, you know? Uh, there's an add-on that does it, but I've never used it, and I can't remember the name of it, so I'm not very helpful. And. Um, I'm not really helpful either, but I'm looking. Okay, well, I'll tell you, one of the things I don't like about achievements like this is that they don't have built-in in-game tracking all the time. Uh, especially for quest stuff. They do usually for exploration-type achievements. Or some achievements have tracking, some don't. And I don't. I really think for quest stuff, for stuff like, you know, Loremaster, there needs to be a way to, to built-in to, to do it. Because that's... Having to get an add-on like Quest Helper, I remember Quest Helper used to do it. I don't know if Quest Helper even still exists. I know what, uh, one of the things that you can do is when there's a main quest line, I think your in-game map without add-ons will have an exclamation point where you should go. Yeah, yeah. But if I've and, already um, done it, don't. But I don't know what I've done. I think there's also uh, the add-on. I was thinking of. I believe it's Lore Master, which will tell you there's... which quests you haven't done. And yeah, Wildhead there's... also has a, a, a guide to this kind of stuff. I was going to say there's also um, an add-on called Quest Completist that does the same thing. It tells you which quests you have done, which quests you haven't done. So you go. Both Wormsworth and I learned something, and both of us needed to learn it. So there you go. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah, that's that's been driving me nuts because I'm not sure. I, I think I think I have all the Lore Master stuff done though. Yeah, I have all. The, I mean, I had all the Lore Master stuff done just from leveling because that's how I level. Yeah, so, this, yeah think, this expansion in particular, I did everything. I did every bloody the leveling. This is one of the things, and I, this is a tangent, but I'm going to go on it anyway. The leveling experience was so polished and good this expansion that I did quests I had no need to do. Yeah, like I, I completed zones, like completely completed them. Yeah, that's um, what I do. <laughs> Typically, is is I will go in. I, I don't leave a zone until I'm done with everything in it. Yeah, I can so, do uh, that in Warcraft. I can't do that in other games because the lore master achievements are are just. It's not to do every quest. It's just to do the main storyline quests, and yeah. those are generally wherever you left off, or wherever the next quest is, will be on your map! Exclamation point. If yeah, you it should it. be. So, in theory, you shouldn't need an add-on or anything. You should just be able to look at your map. But I don't know. Next up is an email from I believe Coric. Who also signed his email, Jim? Because so thanks, Coric Jim. Uh, you even gave me a pronunciation guide, but then you put Jim in there. I don't. What are you doing to me, man? Or Jimic. Oh or my Jimic. God. Anyway. Greetings, whichever combination of shapes and colors happens to read this the week it's read. Well, I'm okay. I'm, I'm a violet sphere. I'm neon bubbles, so you know. <laughs> I'm a black and white square. Yes. Uh, I have a question about the twisting nether. Well, you've come to the right combination of shapes and colors. Uh, in Anne's Know Your Lore article, she aptly describes it as an anchor of all realities, which I found to be both intriguing and a very reasonable assessment. However, I can't really come to a conclusion on whether or not it's a physical realm or a metaphysical realm that exists in parallel, similar to the Emerald Dream. We already know demons get banished back to the Twisting Nether to recover when killed, and can only be truly eliminated when destroyed within the actual Nether itself. That said, when flying through Outland, if you go beyond the boundaries of the outermost zones, 
the location notification listed you as actually entering the Twisting Nether on the screen. If flying far enough from Outland allows you to breach the, the edges, that suggests it's simply Warcraft's version of outer space, unlike the cataclysmic events that Tordran are unless the cataclysmic events that Tordran are apart and turned it into Outland somehow breached the walls of reality and suspended it on the veil between the physical realm and the Nether. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that the Nether, yes, that is in fact what happened. Uh, it seems to me that the Nether carries both the qualities of a metaphysical afterlife as well as a realm of space similar to our own real life sprawling universe of cosmos. Could it be that the void of space that exists between worlds, a spiritual plane of existence parallel to our own, or perhaps some amalgamation of both? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the nature of the Nether and if you have any insights, examples, or opinions that could shed some light. Sorry if that was a little long, but the concept of the Nether has always fascinated me and I wanted to get your take. Jim. Correct. Okay. Uh, I know Anne's going to go on about this one, and I know I probably can too, so I'll just say this. The Nether is not outer space in the Warcraft universe because they got that. It's called the Great Outer Dark. Uh, and that's the void between worlds. Okay. Uh, the Nether is sort of... I have... Uh, I like to think of it as a palimpest where you've got the nether kind of lying underneath every reality. They kind of float on it. Like every universe is floating in the nether at once. I've got a Um, different analogy that I usually work with when I'm talking about the nether. Okay, go. Okay, so uh, think of outer space and or the great dark beyond, you know, which is their term for outer space. Think of that as a table. Okay, it's a table. It's just sitting there. It's a table. Think of... All of the planets in the known universe, they are objects that are sitting on that table. They exist on the great dark beyond, right? They're all out there in it. The twisting nether is a tablecloth that's laying on top of that table. It's overlapping everything simultaneously. So when Dranor blew up, it blew into that. It didn't just, it didn't just, you know, blow up in the great, it it like, it it crossed, it's just like he said in his email that it kind of blew across, breached the walls of reality. And the reason that it did that is because Ner'zhul was opening portals all over the world. And these portals, anytime you travel through a portal, you're going through the Twisting Nether. The portals exist and they port you and that shortcut that they take takes you through the Twisting Nether. Because the twi- twisting nether again, it breaches everything. It covers everything. It's, it's, it's it, like from the X Men cartoon when they showed Nightcrawler teleporting, and right? You would pass through another dimension, right? That or in between you, space is the twisting nether. If you're if you're big on like you know actual weird physics, there's a guy named David Bohm who has c- created a thing called the Implicate Order. In Bohm's Implicate Order, the Implicate Order is a, is a place that exists outside of actual reality. It's essentially where the concepts go and form. And because of it, it's a conceptual plane, it, it basically violates all space and time. Like if you have an idea now, and there's an idea that someone has 300 years ago, three years ago that's basically about the same thing, they both are linked through this. Yeah. It's similar in that kind of palimpestic background to reality. It's sort of like backstage. Like you can literally go, you can go there and then come out somewhere completely different, even though so- you didn't go very far through the nether itself. So what happened here is that Ner'zhul decided to open all of these portals to other worlds simultaneously. And he did it all over Draenor. And the stress from opening that many access points to the Twisting Nether literally ripped the world apart. It actually pulled apart. Like the part of Outland that we go to, which is essentially the same continent that we see when we go to Draenor, that part of Outland ended up getting sucked bodily into the nether by itself. It's just chunks floating in yeah. the nether. 
There could be like other chunks of that planet in the Nether and other places. We, yeah, we've and never there probably actually... is. There probably yeah. is. Like that um, ogre, that ogre continent. They might have got sucked in. They would have had no idea what was going on. A bunch oh. of ogres hanging out in the south, going, "We're ogres!" Oh God, what happened? <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> Just like a big old vacuum cleaner. I, I, I really think. The easiest explanation for this whole thing is just saying, in World of Warcraft terms, it's just another plane of reality. I mean, we have in the game we have experience with these, like the Firelands. It's just yeah. another place. Yeah, it's it's a little bigger and more vast than those other places. Yeah. yeah. Another thing to think about when we're talking about this, though, especially in terms of like you know where you are when you go there, is it is it, it's funny to think about this because when you are on Outland, you are effectively in the Twisting Nether. The whole time. Yep. But the thing is, is that Outland has kind of like, it, it pulled a bit of it, like the, the atmosphere and the water and everything. And it feels like the elementals are trying to keep it going. Trying. Because water doesn't just, you know, if, if it weren't for the elementals, that place would be dead. Because there's water, water would be gone. There would be no more water on it. There'd be nothing. Yeah. So it's kind of got like the, the reality of like a physical place that you go and it's got the weirdness of the nether to it. So it's, that's why outland is so weird and freaky. I love that's outland. Why, that's why you get places like nether storm. I love nether storm. <laughs> I honestly think nether storm might be, it's one, it's one of my top five zones. Yeah. Alex likes nether storm, although I think yep. he likes Sangamarsh more. I just like color. I like the blue of Zangamarsh. I like the purple of Netherstorm. It's just better than, you I know, like how Netherstorm has like those fine windstorm things going on and then in the middle of it it has these biodome bubbles. Yeah, yeah. and it's just Those a are so place. cool. It's one just, thing it, that always... I, I play a lot of melee characters, but one thing that was always interesting to me about Netherstorm is sometimes you get like invisible clouds that regen your mana. Yeah. You can't that's, you can't see them. Just suddenly you're in a, like a bubble where that's giving you mana. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is if you have engineering, you can actually tap those. Yeah, they're mm. essences. They give yeah. you essences. You can tap those, so it's actually part of the whole engineering thing. But I think next up is this is actually a he doesn't actually sign this email. Oh no, right there though he says his name at the top of it. So this one is from Velbrand. Velbrand. Yeah, I didn't read the pronunciation until i read the name so <laughs> bad um Hello. well I, I when i first looked at it i thought he wrote the same thing twice no nope. uh-huh. wow that's the most fantastically unhelpful thing ever <laughs> yeah. hello watchers my name is velbrand pronounced velbrand so stop saying it wrong matt and, and i am a human hunter i have a lore question since i am starting to make a machinima about a night elf who joins the argent crusade i was wondering are there any specific vows that the crusader has to take kind of like the night's watch from game of thrones or can people just join up like a you know like a without taking on an oath and does anyone know what the what the novel uh Urel, heart of draenor comes out <laughs> Thank, <laughs> thanks thanks a thing is it you're no. Crazy, guys <laughs> no it's not it uh, was um that was an april fool's joke uh, yeah it's a shame too because I actually want that novel. To be I do, yeah. Yeah, I think I would that like would that be that more novel. interesting than half the things they've released. But uh, in terms of the Argent Crusade, b- before uh, the end of Wrath, essentially the Argent Crusade was the Argent Dawn and the the you know Silver Hand kind of joining forces. Silver Hand's a bunch of paladins who didn't really have anything to do up until that point, and the Argent Dawn are kind of like the Scarlet Crusade, that, but less evil. So the Argent Crusade sort of was like everybody who doesn't like undead kind of under one roof. And their goal was get the Lich King. 
The goal now seems to be let's clean up the mess the Lich King left, but I can't... Build statues of Tyrion forging. Well, he loves those. He spent a lot of time living in a shack eating, eating, you know, giant maggots. He's he's down for a little veneration in his old age. Uh, But I, I can't think of, like, any... Like, there's no... We know that they go, they get taken behind Lot's Hope, don't they? Like, isn't that part of the initiation? You get taken behind Lot's Hope and you have to deal with the spirits go, of the dead? Uh, yeah, you have to go talk to the spirits yeah. and things. And that's, it's, it's, I mean, the Argent Crusade, it's just an amalgamation of the Argent Dawn and the remnants of the Knights of the Silver Hand. So, I mean. That is kind of a weird initiation, though, to think about it. Like, go in the crypt, disturb our, the dead spirits of our friends, and fight them. <laughs> Disturb the spirits, poke them until they get mad, and then smack them around a little. And when you're done, you're a paladin. <laughs> <sighs> Unless you're Leonid Bartholomew, then you're just cool. Or your Corfax. And it's like, oh, God, run. <laughs> or your Corfax. The Corfax, you just show up and glare, and yeah. they let you in. They let you in immediately. But yeah, there's no. I think you can basically. You're safe just having your character show up, want to fight undead, and everyone's like, okay. Yeah. You don't have to. You could make up some oaths if you want, since you're making a machinima. It's not going to contradict anything. Yeah, the Argent Crusade, it was just like the Argent Crusade was formed specifically to go to. It, it's like an extension of the Argent Dawn that was created to go to Northrend, beat up the Lich King. And the Argent Dawn was just, we are an organization that fights the bad stuff. Fights well, the, the Argent, undead, yeah. only we aren't insane like the Scarlet Crusade I mean, is. I don't think that I don't think they were even restricted to the undead. I mean, in old quests like the Argent Dawn was in Black Fathom Deeps, the Argent Dawn That's showed true. up. That's true. They Dark were kind Portal. of all over the place. The demons, undead, just general. We fight bad stuff. It was kind of a rebirth of the Knights of the Silver Hand, but it was also other people that wanted to combat the same kind of things, but not necessarily paladins. Yeah, if you like, actually watched. If you like, read the. Uh, comic we talked about earlier the ashburner comic you get you get a little background on the argent uh, dawn and how they got formed basically they splintered off from the scarlet crusade once the scarlet crusade started going full-on completely nuts yeah and it's actually one of the biggest tragedies for me as a lore fan is that abendis and not her father who no one cares about that guy that abendis i don't care about but but brigitte and abendis is one of the characters i really liked and they you know basically she dies Rather ignominiously, a dupe of, oh. in this in the Scarlet Onslaught. So that's yeah. kind of sad. Abendus was a rare spawn in the Eastern Plaguelands of Vanilla WoW, and I thought it was yeah. really cool that they brought brought her as like an actual character, and then they just kill her off right away. It's like, oh, well, what was the point? Well, yeah. hey, she she was the one who was part of the Scarlet Crusade slash Scarlet Onslaught. So, yeah, it was unfortunate that she didn't get to hang around longer. Maybe have like be one of the ones who survives finding out the big secret that I'm not going to spoil for people if somehow you don't know the big secret. Uh, <laughs> the big secret is bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you somehow haven't done Wrath and you have not learned the big secret of the Scarlet Onslaught, uh, go do this quest you, and you find out. You should go do all the Scarlet Onslaught stuff because it's actually pretty intriguing. Yeah, but it would have been cool if she'd survived and you at the end kind of led like some redeemed faction. That's like one of the biggest problems I had. And we really should move on. I'm going to keep going all night. But yeah, one of the biggest problems I had from when we did Next Ramos originally was there seemed to be a moment where the Scarlet Crusade was going to like come to their senses. Yeah. Yeah. And they never went with that, which nope. I guess, you know, they didn't want to ruin the, the you know, Scarlet Monastery as a dungeon. But you could have had a faction of Scarlet Crusaders who weren't nuts. That would have been nice. But all right, next email is from, I'm going to say Shadow Chaos. I'm pretty sure I'm feeling comfortable with Shadow Chaos. 
uh, Argenton US. Speaking of the Argenton, uh, chaos now, with the K because he's yeah. hardcore. Now for my question: Are we becoming infinite? Kairos traveled to Draenor to become infinite, which includes getting an army of orcs uh, started in his own interests. Most likely, he intended to do this across multiple realities. Now, at the end of Hellfire, we have a promise that if we ever need help, we can call upon Frostwolves, Laughing Skulls, potentially Arakawa, and very importantly, the Draenei. Why are the Draenei so important? In our reality, the Draenei and the Alliance are but a sliver of the original population pre-massacre from Outland. Draenor's population is largely untouched and never suffered the same genocide. So we have essentially absorbed an army from another reality, which is exactly what Kairos was attempting to do to become infinite. So have we taken the first steps to becoming infinite? Uh, I don't think that you can actually say that, because for one thing, Kairos never really clarified other than, I want to make, inf- make a horde in every world I go to. Like, he came up and said that. We're going to do this over and over again. He was going to use Garage as a stalking horse as many worlds as he could. But he never really said to what end. Yeah, we don't know why he was doing it. Was he going to fight the Burning Legion and with that them? And that whole proclamation that he made about, I'm going, I, you know, I want to become infinite. It was never really clarified what that meant exactly. Like, did he uh, think he was going to start a new infinite dragon flight? Did he, you know, yeah, what did he, we don't did he know. Just, yeah. So... I don't know if we're doing what he... I don't think we're doing what he intended to do, but it is interesting to think about the fact that the Horde has basically gotten themselves, you know, completely untainted and, more importantly, never even complicit Frostwolves. Like, the Frostwolves and Laughing Skulls they have are... They're just flat-out untouched. They're not even like the Maghar who were untouched, but their clan structures were destroyed. The Maghar didn't have the original clan structures left. They were like all... They, they were, just were a bunch of people get. that were in an internment camp, or well, yeah. not an, inter- an infirmary, yeah. a big orc infirmary, and they made a clan out of it. Well, it's like Joran, if you like, remember Joran Deadeye, who was, I guess, Kilrog's heir? Yeah. He was the one, like, he was leading the remnants of the, of, you know, the, the, the Bleeding Hollow. Yeah. But now we've seen with the Bleeding Hollow become in this world. But meanwhile, the Laughing Skull and Frostwolves of this world have their complete clan structure. Yeah. They have they're they're led by their original leaders. They have their complete clan structure, and now they're kind of in the horde. I mean, it's I don't think you're going to see them in Orgrimmar a whole heck of a lot. But think about how just Garrosh by himself, the effect he had on the horde. Just everyone was like, he's an uncorrupted orc. Now imagine, not only are we uncorrupted, but we've never been like we're completely. We have no idea what you're talking about. We weren't even in any horde. We just kept doing our thing. I don't know if thing. they're going to come through, though. I don't know if any of them are going to come through. Well, I'm telling you right now, if Grom doesn't come through, I will be very surprised. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, Grom, I would be surprised if Grom did not come through the portal. Um, for, that, for that matter, I don't think... We, we talked about this before, and I, I, I don't know if this is still considered too spoilery to talk about, but the enzymatic sort of thing I, I kind of want to talk about here. Do you think we can talk about that? Spoiler alert, uh, we're almost at the end of the show, so if you don't want to get spoiled, you can probably just quit. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the end cinematic, you, you have this moment where Urel, uh, Durotan, and Grom are all standing there going, Yay, Dranor! And I'm sorry, but about five minutes after that moment happened, everybody's going to turn and look at Grom and be like, Dude. What? You, you're kind of the problem, man. You did this. <laughs> this is all on you. Or least- I never, I never really understood. Like that cinematic really weirded me out because it's like 
It's, you know, Archibald falls over, the light goes out in his eyes, and Gul'dan is gone, and then Grom turns around, and before anybody can say anything, he's like, I'm going to cheer. I'm going to lead a cheer, and maybe they'll forget. Yeah. I think everybody was so... <laughs> if I'm the first was... one to fist pump here. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, it, bo- it, it genuinely bothered me, because it just seems like, that's Blizzard's thing with Grom, is they always write him doing horrible stuff, but then they pretend he never did it. Yeah, but my point here isn't so much that, although that's certainly true. But it's just that they have to get him off Draenor because nobody, like, no one's going to want to work with that guy. <laughs> Do you know and what I, I mean? I just, I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I That that whole cinematic kind of confused me because it was like, okay, how did Grom get to the space where he's at, where he's making these proclamations and everyone is cheering? Like, yeah. how did when did he have a conversation with these people? There must have been a conversation that took place. Like this, this was not this. There like, had to have been something somewhere where they I, had a chat. <laughs> I know, he, like I know, he appears in the in the raid, but I don't know if at any point after he gets freed, does he go like rally the Iron Horde loyalists who don't want to drink the goo, and like do they? Does he lead them in any attack? I, I don't mean, know. Kind of, he kind of owes a serious chat to Ural at least. You know, yeah. the Draenei have some issues. <laughs> With you. So, they have some things to discuss. That whole thing about Nerzul and and coaxing him into touching the void, and you yeah. know, the, you know, our whole dead prophet. That's kind of your fault. Yeah, yeah he, we he need direct- to have a talk about that. Yeah. He directly shows up in Shadowmoon several times. I mean, he, yeah. like, he's in a flashback, but then he steps through and directly talks to Nerzul about how awesome the new weapon's going to be and yeah. how they're going to take out Karabor. That's on him. That's not. That wasn't Gul'dan's idea. Gul'dan would be like, you know, he's like, I was actually completely doing something else evil at the time. No. Just, you know, Gul'dan so, yeah, was not involved. It, it's one of those things where it's like there was a conversation somewhere and we've missed that conversation. And if a short story doesn't come out or a novel or a something to illustrate that conversation, then it just reads as very awkward. Right now, yeah. it reads as very awkward. But so I have no context for it. You know, yeah. that's why it's reading as awkward. There's no context. So so. In terms of the Draenei, though, yes, it, it's kind of interesting that you know, if the if the expansion ends with why this, are like, the Draenei cheering with Grom? Like, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But <laughs> in terms I mean, of that whole gathered army there should just turn on Grom at that instant and murder him. <laughs> like he's going, we're all, we freed the world. They should all just it should just be like crickets, and they all slowly turn to look at that guy and go, whole bunch of hammers, kind of just smacking <laughs> crystal and hammers, smacking into palms, like just like. Um, do we draw straws to hit him? <laughs> no, 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 my brothers. We are we are a peaceful and honorable people. And therefore, Exarch Urel should be the one to kill him. <laughs> Exarch Urel kills him! <laughs> Grom's starting to look a little concerned. Durst she didn't like, get Blackham's head, so Grom's would be a close second. Grom's starting to look a little concerned. And Duraton like, turns to him and goes, By the way, you got my best friend killed. So you're on your own, dude. My brother. My brother is dead because of you. <laughs> my, my brother and my spiritual brother, both dead because of the Iron Horse. I'm just going to be over here patting my wolf. I'm just Hey, wolf! Yeah. Hey, hey puppy! Come here. Hey, my <laughs> wife's over here. Oh, we're going to kill Garam now? No, no, the Duran and I are going to kill him. Oh, well, We're just we... going to watch. Did you I guess bring the popcorn, honey? <laughs> But in terms of the Draenei as a force in the Alliance after the fact, I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting if they if they actually did that. I don't. 
I'm not going to speculate. Usually when you do an expansion, it's like one of the things that disappointed me about Mr. Pandaria, which I really loved. I loved Mr. Pandaria for the most part, but one of the things that disappointed me was there's like you, you go there, they blow up the veil. You kind of half we you, you go through killing monsters there, but at the end you plant a tree. Right. And that's it. Like, yeah, this will this will all heal someday. You can totally go do whatever. We, we got this. You, you sure that we kind of destroyed the whole freaking veil? We Trust sort of me. blew the whole thing out, like detonated it. Are you sure? Yeah. We would totally like you to leave now. Consider this an invitation to leave. Please leave. <laughs> and do not come back. Leave as quickly as you can. Sure, come on back when you need to use the por- the portals and the shrines. I'd like it if you'd confide yourself to the shrines, though. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, one of the things I don't like is how expansions don't seem to have any consequences rolling forward. One of the things I loved about the Quell Delar quest was that it yeah. took you back to the Sunwell. Yeah. Yes. It gave you, okay. So cool because you could see what had gone on like since Burning Crusade. It was awesome. It whether was not, pretty amazing. Whether or not you liked the quests in Patch 5.1 that led up to Dalaran, at least you got to see what was going on in Dalaran. You got to see after the, Wrath, yeah. After Wrath and after the you know the the Jaina novel Tides of War, you got to see Dalaran changed. I, they need to do more with that. I'd love I to agree. see. You know, I'd love to see in the future like what's going on with that Draenor we just left. Um, is it permanently in, in you know in sync with our reality now? Do we still keep going there? Uh, does the portal switch back? Can we go back to Outland via the portal again? Uh, what what's happening with those people? What's going on with those Draenei? Uh And for that matter, I'd like to see. You know, I want to see the veil get fixed. Yeah. You know, we wrecked it. We should fix it. That should be a thing. We should. <laughs> Allura in the chat channel said, "Grom will come back and rebuild the veil." Actually, that would be great. Get him a Let's shovel. Just make him start. Give landing. him a shovel. Give him some seeds. Tell him to get to work. That'd be great. Yeah, um, I, I do love revisiting these places that we've been and seeing that we haven't totally wrecked up everything. Or if we did, you know, just seeing the long-term outcome. And I would honestly, I would love just an expansion that's dealing with all these problems we left behind or seeing the ramifications of the things we've done. The only problem, and, the only reason I think we'll never get that is because of the lesson they learned from Cataclysm that maybe was the wrong lesson to learn. That you can't have an expansion that doesn't have a big central place to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the I remember back when he was still working at Blizzard, Greg Street made the point that they'd really felt like that was one of the mistakes of Cataclysm. And Cataclysm had a few mistakes. Uh, but that was one of them that they didn't have a The leveling path was kind of scattered all over the place. Yeah. And, I mean, on the one hand, I liked that that Cataclysm was set on Azeroth, that we were, you know, exploring mm-hmm. Azeroth again. But I get the point that you were just, like, it was never a question of going over to the next zone. It was like, okay, now which place am I going to be teleported to and never leave for a while? It right. was, yeah, it was kind of, it felt a little disjointed because of that. And I think, I mean, honestly, I, I've, I've warmed up a little to Hygel over the years. I think Hygel was beautiful. But um, I honestly felt like I, I, I don't know how they're going to do. I hope they do flying the way they're doing flying now. I, I do hope they keep that going forward. But having a zone like Hydra where flight was so necessary to do it, uh, it felt like you didn't. it didn't matter where you went. You know, like the, the landscape didn't have any connection. It didn't count. Yeah. So 
I don't know, but that's you know that's just me. I do I do like getting to see places. I, I still think to this day, the Quel de Lard part where you go to the Sunwell is still one of my favorite bits. Especially if you you have to do Quel de Lard on a Blood Elf, yeah, at least once. Yeah, uh, if you do it on any other race, the Blood Elves are kind of grumpy about you, and you don't really get to feel heroic at the very end. But if you go in as a Blood Elf, you are the savior of your people. You're you you are the man or the woman. You are the the chosen one. Like it, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's it's nice race specific change to the quest. So, all right. Um, what I what I really want to see before we move on is I want to see Northrend again. Yes. Like even if just a glimpse, I want to know if they you know successfully went homesteading. Like is there actual settlements here are there people raising families in Northrend now or is it just do we leave it a hellscape like what is going on there yeah like you know for that matter we've seen we saw Northrend once briefly and in cataclysm we saw that the the you know wormrest temple got destroyed essentially yeah because uh, on the on the alliance side there were actual people taking like their families to start they were moving life up there yeah like, they were they gonna were, you know was, go Grizzly, settle this wilderness grizzly hills was I mean, yeah, that's yeah. full of lumberjacks and so forth. There, that and was, there's some of that in uh, Howling Fjord too. Yeah, uh, for that matter, there were undead who were going up to settle it. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Which was a little unusual. And the thing that's funny is if it, it it's that's where the undead how, you know, settlement style came from. Yeah, and they used it again for the, the redesign of Terran Mill, and it's very Gilnean inspired. Even though yeah. obviously Gilneas came out after, it looks like Gilnean stuff. If you were dead and didn't want to, you know, want to live in like Morticia Adams' version of it, but <laughs> that's like something you could do a lot with. Just like what's going on in Northrend, like what's going on with with the ruins of Wormrest, what what's going on with all that, like that glacier that was full of undead, that probably still full of undead. Yeah, what's Bolvar doing? Is he just like? That's the other thing. Is that's what I want to see. Is is Bolvar? Is Bolvar keeping things contained, like he said? Well, and what's going on with Ulduar? Why isn't he like marching those undead like one by one off a cliff? Are people still <laughs> jousting after all this time? <laughs> <laughs> we built that giant coliseum out of stone. Do we like not use it anymore? <laughs> There's a lot of that thing is really big, Tyrion. Once a month they have a circus. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have a floor anymore. Okay, how are we going to build a floor over this giant gaping hole? <laughs> it's a problem. It's right. a circus that takes place on on nets <laughs> above the spider death pit. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, the, the Nerubians kind of like. Can we talk about this thing just, you built? Can we just have a chat, yeah. little chat? Yeah, we kind of built this on our house. Anyway, I think that's pretty much the show for this week. Um. As is always the case, uh, I like to take this moment to to get Alex to talk about our Patreon because we need to. So, Alex, yeah. uh, if you want to support our podcast and support our site and pretty much everything we do, you can do that at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Uh, if you're a patron, and if if you are not a patron, wait, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get Alex what, here's lost. what I was saying. You will get, uh, if you're not listening to this live, if you're listening to it through iTunes or whatever, if you become a patron, you can also get an uncut version of this podcast with all of our pre-show stuff and our post-show stuff. And that generally goes up as a private video on YouTube. And that's great, because in this one, for some reason, Adam is streaming a picture of Garrosh Hellscream on a horse eating an ice cream. 
<laughs> and wow. you only get that experience if you're watching it uncut on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, that's, man, I wish I'd known because I would have talked about that for hours. I'm glad <laughs> we didn't. Now, now I'm like thinking of all the garage hell scream eating things you could do, like garage hell scream eating candy apples, garage hell scream eating some pizza. Man, you could do a only whole if you support us on Patreon. Can you see such exciting pictures as this? <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, again, if you have an email for the show, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, or uh, as Alex tells you, you can you, you send it to us via the Patreon site. Um, he'll get them and he'll let us know. Like t- today's email from Dr. Laura is an example of that. Uh, we really, you know, appreciate all the support. Uh, thanks everybody. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye everybody.